flying in the sun, but now I'm joined by John Moore, Dr. Phil Ferguson, and a good mate Sarah up there in Wellington. Good morning to you all. Oh yeah. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jamie. How are we all? Good. Very good. Cold. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not the best, um, but you know it may be cold, but it's heating up. It's heating up. Must be hot up there in Wellington. Oh, it's uh, tropical. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Jacinda mania, as as uh, you put it this morning, John, in the email. Um, New Zealand's going crazy, uh, both the left or right, uh, with everything. Now is the time. Is now the time. She's inexperienced. We need a strong uh, woman, uh, Wahine, to take us forward. Um, is she the right pick? Um, is she being thrown under the bus? Um, no matter how you see it, she's quite polarizing. Well, she's polarizing the nation. No, John. Yeah, she is polarizing the nation. Um, I think those on the right are quite shocked at the, the groundswell of support and, and, and enthusiasm that's coming around Jacinda Ardern. Um, and uh, those on the left now see themselves as having a real chance to have a so called centre left government. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the momentum keeps up, then, um, you know, it could mean uh, a significant rise in support for Labour. Sure, Labour would still need um, coalition partners, Greens, and more than likely New Zealand first, but uh, there's more chance than, e- than ever that we could have a Labour-led government. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the, what's the talk up at your um, end, Sarah, um, around what you do and um, unions and whatnot? Um, what are you hearing on the street and, and what are your feelings? Uh, well, I think um, union people and Labour Party members are incredibly happy, actually, and relieved that they've got a charismatic um, leader who they think can attract more support than Andrew Little was able to. Um, so I think there's actually a tremendous feel of, feeling of relief, and um, I think it's energised Labour Party members and um, given them a lot you know, given them a very critical injection of enthusiasm and energy in the next eight weeks, seven, eight weeks of the election. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, in terms of policies and politics, I think people are, to some extent, putting those to one side yeah. um, and aren't really questioning or thinking about the policies much at the moment. Um, I mean, in terms of the unions, we just expect that Labour will stick to its... Um, the policies that they they released you know, uh, last month. Yeah. Um, but I think you know the type, I think people are putting that questioning of policies to one side just um, and embracing their new leader with them um, quite a lot of enthusiasm. Embracing their new oh. leader. That sounds very North Korean. Um, now, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Phil. I mean, is this is this going to make a difference? Is this going to uh, you know, is she going to find an issue that is going to polarise those that aren't going to vote? Is she going to grab those that are to the left? Are we going to see a shift to the left, or are we going to see a status quo? Well, I think Labour will go up in the next in the next polls. I think they will get a bounce out of it. Mm. And the question then is, how long is that bounce yeah. going to last? Because she's very much in a honeymoon period. And look, she's been in in Parliament for nine years. Does anybody know what she stands for? Has anybody asked her? Because they certainly didn't this week. Mm. I mean, it's all this gush about she's she's this, that, and the other. You know, she's passionate. Yeah. Well, passionate about what is she? She was asked on TV this week if she was a democratic socialist. Yeah. Uh, just as an aside, she was a f- uh, former president of the International yeah. Socialist Youth Organisation. She fudged the question and, and just came yeah. up and said that she's a pragmatic idealist. Which to, <laughs> which, what does that mean? Exactly, what does that mean? And it, and it, 
to me it points that Labour's still not getting it. They're not getting this yeah. new radical zeitgeist. Uh, I would have expected to come out uh, and say, yeah, I am a socialist. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a radical mm-hmm. past, and um, I think we Labour needs to grab on to some new, bold, um, imaginative policies. Yeah, and we didn't hear that from you. Let's keep in mind what that socialist youth thing is. I mean, it's the international collection of youth groups of Labour parties. Yeah. It's not some radical socialist thing and it's just a, it's one of the things that you do on your way up in Labour parties mm-hmm. and if you look at where she's been, she's never had a job in the real world like she's never worked on minimum wage or on the fact shop floor or anything she went from university to working at parliament for Clark and Gough and then she went off and she worked for in the UK cabinet office in Britain for Blair yeah, and but, she, but I don't think that she would is trying to pretend she's any kind of radical, and I don't think the Labour Party is either. I mean, yeah. I don't think she is painting herself as as Corbyn Corbyn esque. Yeah, uh, I think her appeal is in that she comes across as compassionate and human, and um, that in itself is seen as you know an advantage and um, as as something more left than what than the current government, and that and that she's. You know, obviously compassionate, but um, I, I mean, I don't think they are trying to sell her as radical or that she would say that herself. No, they're, no, they're not, and that's a problem <coughs> that she doesn't actually seem to stand for anything. Like, compassionate about what? You know, she likes children. Well, most of us <laughs> would like to see no children in, in, in poverty and so mm. on, but if you take a series of issues, like she's been in, in, in Parliament for nine years, has she May have been forthright about equal pay, about the right to abortion, about anti-trade union laws, about uh-huh. about anything. And the media. No, have I, I would say that she did. She did fight quite hard for social workers on that when the reform of the um, child protection and youth justice yeah. um, legislation was going forward. She put forward a pretty strong opposition, a voice of opposition to the government's reforms in that area. Um, but so not- that's. That's one thing I can yeah. think of. Right, so nine, nine, nine years and, and, and not a lot around a lot of issues. Like, I mean, she pushed on the issue of uh, marriage quality. She was at the fore uh, in that campaign. So she's certainly uh, uh, left or liberal on, on social issues, and mm. possibly that's something yeah. she is passionate about. Um, but in terms of economic issues, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what she stands for. Well, uh, so is Labour just trying to play that game that Key played so well of popular politics, to have a face that somebody would like to vote for that can say the good words and give you those good feelings, and oh. then I want to vote for them? Uh, quite I possibly, so. yeah. There you go, John. Um, I mean, I don't think Labour's going to scare the horses. Uh, you know, they're taking yeah. a very soft, <laughs> softly approach their, their campaign strategy is to win back the voters off National who voted for, um, you know, Helen Clark um, throughout her term. And I think that, you know, so they're trying to win back right-wing voters, essentially, mm. um, centre-centre-right voters off, yeah. off the National Party. And this may well work. Um, she probably will appeal to that key, um, those women, female voters who are who swung, who swung towards National, but mm-hmm. who may well come back with um, Jacinda at the helm. Um, the question is the extent to which that she also cannibalises the Green vote um, because I think you know, in terms of any the makeup of any future government and the kind of policies we're going to get post, um, post-election will depend on the extent to which the Greens have some strength and or the, the relative strength of New Zealand first. 
So really, she's just, you know, she, she'll get the Yopro vote, uh, pull some of that back, but she's not going to create, you don't think she might create some, some of those that aren't, weren't going to vote, uh, aren't really that interested in voting to come out and vote, because really that's what need, Labour needs to do. And this, um, I mean, the way that you just described their strategy, Sarah, has been their strategy for almost nine years yeah. now, and, yeah. and clearly uh, it hasn't worked. We, we have looked at, uh, if, if we look overseas at models of where uh, political parties, mainstream political parties, have been able to draw new people in and create a, a mood of enthusiasm. Uh, on the right, we've got Donald Trump, or we've got Le Pen in France, on the left we've got Jeremy Corbyn in Britain and Bernie Sanders and so their strategies weren't just to act as normal to play the normal political game but to, to push out a new or perceived to be a new political agenda they actually mobilised um, uh, increasing numbers of people who just weren't interested in voting anymore or young people who had never been involved in politics anymore and I don't get the sense from Labour that they've, they've learnt those lessons of um, campaigns overseas um. All right. Does someone want to answer that? <laughs> well, I, I, I think the fact that they've put her in is some attempt by them to relate to the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. But John's right. She doesn't put forward anything like the program, the platform that Bernie Sanders or Jeremy Corbyn did. I mean, I can yeah. think of all kinds of things that I would disagree with those people on, but, you, you know, they did stand for something, and Jeremy Corbyn has stood for the same things for decades. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, she doesn't seem to stand for anything, so it's, I think it's kind of being on the cheap. she's Trudeau, isn't she? I mean... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, very much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good comparison. But, but I think, um, I put this out last Wednesday on um, the show, that I, I, I think Labour doesn't get Trudeau uh, and, and the Liberals in Canada. Not only did they present uh, uh, themselves in gay support by having a young, dynamic leader um, in, in the form of uh, Trudeau, but they also tacked deliberately to the left, and they position themselves to the left of the New Democratic Party, which is the traditional Labour Party, if you like, in, in Canada. And I don't think Labour gets that here. They're very enthused by the image of the Liberals and Trudeau in Canada, but I don't think they get what the substance. But isn't that I also... guess we may all be proved wrong, though. I mean, they may well come up with some strong Why can't you just be policies over the next few weeks. But one of the pro- one of the problems is that we live in such an apolitical country that you know the political commentators have been all about her style and that she's got a sense of humour and that she looks good and so on, and we have the most apolitical political commentators in the world. So in the United States and in Britain and even in Canada. People, you know, do actually get interrogated by the media about what they st- what they stand for. Mm-hmm. And in New Zealand, we've got somebody who we don't know what they stand for, who has where Labour has adopted the image. Because in New Zealand, the image is actually more important than the substance. Well, I should have her on next week, so I'm going to be that person. Um, <laughs> finally, ask her where she stands on anti-trade union laws, immigration, women's right to abortion, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Right, just 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 finally on this topic because we do have another one we need to get on to. Uh, I just want to ask everybody's feelings on, of course, that question that she was asked on uh, the project around uh, being asked uh, about wanting to have kids. What is everybody's opinion on that? Yay or nay? Obviously, for me, um, how dare they? It's um, despicable. It's wrong, uh, and they should that question should never have been asked. 
I think it, uh, yeah, it is an unfair question, and, and it's a question that would normally never be asked of uh, a male politician. Mm. So a double standard exists here. It, it can be seen as a form of sexism. However, uh, and I don't like to say however, however, it's Jacinda Ardern herself brought this up in the media mm. uh, off her own back, uh, I think earlier this year, saying that she didn't see herself as, as either taking on the role of being leader of the Labour Party because she wanted children. So in that context, maybe it was responsible for a journalist to actually bring up the subject again because she had initiated that discussion earlier. But saying that, it's important that we do have a discussion uh, around um, the, I guess, the, the sexist attitudes that uh, are around in regards to women and careers and the problems of having children and how women still have to take on most of the burden of, of bringing up children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's outrageous, uh, the assumption that, you know, she couldn't do both. Yeah. Bill English, for instance, at the same age when he became Prime Minister, had six children. No one said, hey, Bill, do you think you can do this? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it is. I mean, I think John's right. She had brought that into the public arena. But there, there is a kind of this assumption questioning about whether she could possibly do both. Um, and then that does, unfortunately, just get you know, asked of, of women, not just in her situation but in lots of other important situations yeah um, and i think you saw that in a lot of the commentary around that you know some people were saying well an employer has a right to know if a woman's going to take parental leave etc um so yeah i think it did reveal some kind of deeply still embedded sexist prejudices against women and their ability to um participate in in these in employment and political um, position. So, um, yeah, I, I think she's responded well. She's responded strongly. And, um, you know, I, I think I saw someone saying, wouldn't it be great if yeah, she took parental leave while she was Prime Minister? That would be, or had the baby in Parliament. That would be a, a you know, sign of things changing. Phil? I think it's interesting that most people think that that was an, an, a completely unfair and really outrageous question. I think that's a sign that New Zealand has has moved on. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I think mainstream opinion is no, that's that question is is out of order. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ironic. It would be ironic if she did take um, paid parental leave while she was prime minister, because <laughs> Helen Clark said it would be introduced over her dead body, and and Jacinta is a big admirer of Helen Clark. Mm, mm, <laughs> interesting, interesting. All right, um, let's move on to Claire. Curran, more of a local thing, um, but I'm sure you're across this one, um, Sarah. Uh, Claire Curran, uh, first off, I just want to tell her to shut up. Um, you know, <laughs> straight off the bat, just come on. Just hit yourself in the face with one of your boots. Um, she wants... Um, you're not a fan, Jamie. Uh, well, I mean, yay and nay on her. Mm. Like, it's a flip-flop, hey? Um, but she wants a debate around whether unions and Labour members should continue having a say on who leads the party. Um, because, of course, no one knows the party better than anyone, somebody like, like herself or maybe those young ones have, like you said, gone to uni, got a politi- political degree and then gone straight into working in someone's got office. I mean, they know uh, what the people want. Uh, you know, they've got the ear of, of the man on the street, the woman on the beat. 
God damn it, Claire. It's embarrassing. Um, yeah, and I think she was being quite opportunistic in many ways. She, she knew that, uh, uh, you know, Andrew Little had failed in this role and as leader of the Labour Party, and it was really the unions who put him in. If, if the unions didn't have their structural vote within the Labour Party, then it would have been Grant Robertson, who would be leader of the Labour Party now. Um, so at the current moment, unions get a 20% vote share uh, in deciding who's leader of the Labour Party. Um, MPs and the caucus get 40% and the rest uh, goes to the general membership. Mm. Um, and th- this is pretty standard for Labour, Social Democratic Party throughout the Western world where those parties, uh, unions have always played an important, if not central, but at least an important role in those parties. It's part of the, I guess, the ideological makeup of those parties. So, um, Social Democrats is yes, it all, right? Yes, and I, I, I guess this, fr- this highlights uh, the confusing nature of Claire Curran and how she presents herself because she'll she'll present herself as a radical a leftist at times and recently she was uh, doing a sole occupation in the um, octagon in support of some young woman who weren't being provided for housing from winds mm-hmm. um, so she was definitely sort of tapping into the radical zeitgeist then here she's presenting herself to the right of the Labour Party yeah. saying we need to uh, argue that she's hinting that Labour needs to ditch the role of unions and it's quite an undemocratic argument on her part saying that it should be the she seems to be hinting that it should be the caucus MPs who solely have the decision over who is the leader and not the wider party mm. Right, Sarah? Uh, well, I mean ultimately I guess it's, you know, it would have to be for the Labour Party to make those kind of decisions um, I, I think it's unfair to blame that that mechanism for the failure of the last couple of leaders. Um, you know, they had what they had to choose from, and um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's not the union's fault that there wasn't a kind of a great array of um, capable leaders. So yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of unfair to say that the mistakes of the well, not the mistakes, the choices of the of the last few leaders are the fault of the unions. Um, they supported people who were putting forward a strong left-wing platform and that's kind of what the Labour Party is supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel... I, I think it's up to the Labour Party membership to decide this, but, I, yeah, I agree with John that it would be profoundly less democratic if it was just left up mm. to the caucus to decide. Well, I mean, is this because of the changing, you know, is she saying this because of the changing landscape of politics now where it has become more about uh, how the leader acts and who the leader is and whether people like the leader, um, yeah. you know, instead of being more about um, what the leader's, um, you know, ideas are around trade laws and economics. I, th- I think... Um I'm actually glad that she has raised this, um, especially in relation to the to the trade unions, because the Labour Party is very different from when it was founded, and even it's very different even from when I was young, when you know to be a Labour MP, you, you had to have a background in working in a, a regular job and being on the shop floor, being involved in a union being a union organiser or whatever and then that was your apprenticeship and then you're a Labour MP. Now the Labour Party is run by liberal middle class professional people who are completely out of touch with the lives and the the needs of of working class people, although they still want their vote. Um, And so I I mean I, I can't see 
any benefit for unions to be affiliated to the Labour Party or to have anything to do with the Labour Party. They should be fighting for their members on the industrial front um, and not be tied into a party which is actually quite alien to the to the union movement these days and so it's good that it's it's been raised and of course what she wants is very anti-democratic you mm-hmm. know the idea that the caucus MPs should elect the leader of any party whether it's national labor the greens or who or whoever yeah is completely undemocratic and it turns the members into just what are they supposed to do they just like little minions mm-hmm. that, that go and do what the MPs tell them it's very elitist and, and undemocratic but that's it seems to, it seems to, to me it seems to say that Claire Curran and, and other MPs who were supportive you are quite out of touch because if, again if we look at the British Labour Party um, that they're one of the most sort of democratic social democratic parties in the world now and that they allow people to join as supporters and those supporters as well as general members get a say in who's going to be the leader of the Labour Party and this has really allowed Labour to build a um, a strong sort of populist and, and mass membership base around their leader um, you can argue about whether that's a good thing or not but mm-hmm. if, if Labour actually want, here wants to draw young people in uh, and, and draw people in who feel they actually have a Say in this party, I think the last thing they would want to do is make it less democratic and say that, well, no, it's only the caucus members, the MPs, who have a say in what's going to go on. Yeah, but I mean, uh, are Labour even good for the unions? Are Labour giving back their, the unions and the worker their strength that they used to once have? It seemed to me under the Clark government that we were only a little bit better off than they were under Key. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, if we look at the employment contracts ad, which was uh, um, put in placed by the national government in the early 90s, which is one of the most reactionary pieces of industrial law in the world in terms of the restrictions that place on unions. So in most cases in New Zealand unions, it's illegal for them to strike. They can yeah. only strike once the contract has ended and there's a period of negotiation. So for example, if there's a, let's say there's a case of sexual harassment on a work site uh, and workers want to walk out and protest and go on strike, it's illegal for them to do that in New Zealand. And that didn't change um, with the employment Relations Act that was replacing Employment Contracts Act under the Helen Clark government. So yeah. we still have, a, and Bill Birch, who uh, was the National Cabinet Min- Minister who put in place the Employment Contracts Act, he said he was flop fine with the Employment Relations Act mm-hmm. put in place by Helen Clark. He said that the core components of the industrial reforms he put in place remained. Mm. Right, anyone else? Yeah, so yeah, what's the point of the connection between the unions and Labour from the standpoint mm. of the interests of the unions and, and the workers? But the other thing I think is the whole nature of politics has changed. Once upon a time, Labour and National and other par- par- parties needed a mass membership. Today they don't. Like, Labour doesn't need money from the unions. Labour is mainly financed by the state. The vast majority of of funding for national, for all the parliamentary parties mm. actually comes from the state and we've got much more presidential campaigns and so on so mm. the mass membership in terms of New Zealand politics I think is a thing of the past it's not going to, you know, National and Labour are not going to become mass parties in the way they, they once were they just don't need mass memberships yeah, yeah uh, I think we're going to have to leave it there, but uh, thank you everyone for joining me this morning. Um, yeah, I w- wait to see what happens if, if the honeymoon is over and then it just comes out, it's just another 
Jacinda's just, just mm. another person stabbing the same politics, but um, with um, a, a better smile and a bit more charisma. Okay, it's Chris. We've got a one on the day. But thank you, Sarah. Thank you, um, John. Thank you. And thank you, Phil. Always thank a pleasure. Uh, talk to you all again next week. It is now almost time for the news.